fans. They arrive, they watch, they cheer, they leave, and they wait till next week. Followers, they practice every day. They learn, they take the hits, they sacrifice. This world is full of fans. Will you be more? Do you have what it takes to follow, to step onto the field? Let's do this. Well, hello, Heritage. Welcome to week four of Fan to Follower, a journey where we're leveraging the sport of football to help us understand and know how to move from simply being fans to fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And if you're a guest with us, I'm especially glad you're here. You see, over the last three weeks, we've been unpacking some foundational realities that will lead us through the rest of our journey. Some things like there's a difference between a fan and a follower. There's a difference in how they think and how they act and what they pursue. There's a difference between a fan and a follower. And the deal is God is looking for followers and not fans. So in light of those realities, we've been spending a little bit of time over the first part of our journey looking to understand those differences. And we've looked at fans and followers in football to help us understand. So just to get you caught up in case you missed it or as a review for those of you that have been here, let me just give you two examples of what I'm talking about. Here's a, a gentleman who is a supporter of the Kansas City Chiefs. Is he more a fan or a follower? He's a fan! totally a fan. He's racked out sleeping. I think his buddy in front of him is sleeping. He's disengaged, not passionate. He's way more like a fan than a follower. How about this Saints supporter? Are they more fan or follower? Totally a follower. He's passionate. He's energized. He's got the garb on. He's ready to roll. He is way more like a follower than a fan. Now look, I realize every time we do this, we're kind of looking on the surface, we're, we're, we're looking just at appearance only, but it's helping us in our conversation. Because there is the reality that the external can be an indicator of the internal. That how we behave should reflect what we believe. And so there's the opportunity to see that the things that we see give us some insight into things that we don't see, into the unseen. And we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the seen and the unseen today. But one of the other things that we have established in this journey is that fans and followers actually live by the same values, but in exact opposite priority order. So a fan is someone who will protect themselves first, then others based on relationship, and the team third. So a fan lives one, two, three. But a follower actually lives the exact opposite. It's three, two, one. Where they position the team or in the context of the church here, we're talking about the kingdom and the things of Jesus. First is the kingdom, second would be others, and ourselves last. This is the reality for a follower. It is three, two, one to be a follower. You cannot be a follower and live one, two, three. It just doesn't work. And the reality that we're talking about in these three categories is we're really speaking about purpose and people and the person. And to be a follower, we live three, two, one. And so we're taking some time as a church family to understand how we live in that priority order as a follower to ultimately live a life that matters for what matters most. And we do that in the context of a world that is not our home. 
And in fact, if you've got a sermon note guide, this is going to be your first fill-in for the day, that this world is not our home. This world is not our what? Home. It's not our home. This physical world, the world we see, this is not our home. In fact, we can read this in Hebrews. It says this, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. This world, this isn't it. It's not the destination. It's not the goal. In fact, everything we have in this world is fleeting. The only things that last are our relationship with God and our three, two, one investments for him. Everything else passes. Which is why Jesus said we're to store treasure in heaven and not on earth. earth. This world is not our home. But if we don't understand that there's another option than what we see, then we can end up living solely based on only what we see. And that can be problematic. Yet the deal is, there are things that exist that we don't see. Things that influence who we are and how we live, but yet we don't see them. Some of them are kind of common. Can you think of something that that exists but we can't see? Got something in mind? Here's an example, the wind. We know the wind exists, we can feel it, we've seen the effects of it, but nobody's ever seen the wind. How about ultraviolet rays? Okay, we can't see them with the naked eye, but when we don't use sunscreen, we end up with sunburn and we know they exist, right? Take odors. (laughs) You don't need to see them to know they exist, right? You got germs, heat. There's lots of things that exist that we can't see, but we know that they exist. But here's the thing. When we're talking about the fan to follower journey, the reality is that there are things that are seen and there are things that are unseen. There are things in the physical world and things in the spiritual world. And, and the reality is that the things of the unseen in the spiritual world influence everything else greater than we often realize. At least they should influence in a 3-2-1 reality. In fact, the most important part of the journey would be the things that are unseen, not the things that are seen. Wait, let, me, let me put this in the context of the church. Uh, heritage, we as a family, we are a church and not a business. Therefore, we are not for profit, we are for people and the purposes of God in people's lives. So we don't use people to save money. We utilize money to facilitate the saving of people. And so our heartbeat is not for the things that are temporal and seen. Our our heartbeat is for the things that are eternal and spiritual. And so it's not just about numbers of programs and numbers of people. It's the spiritual reality that's taking place as we live in a 3-2-1 journey as a follower. If you're still following along your sermon note guide... The most important part of the journey is not the part we see. It's not the part we see. The most important part of the journey would actually be related to the things that we can't see. Not the physical and temporal world, but the spiritual and eternal. And look, I know this world can be difficult. We all face different challenges, and whatever you have faced or whatever you are facing, know that it's temporary. But also know that the unseen things are the most important things. Listen to the words of Paul out of 2 Corinthians. He said, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. There's the reality of the physical and the spiritual. 
He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is what? Unseen. We don't fix our eyes on the seen, we focus on the unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The most important part of the journey is not the part we see. This world can be a hard place. There, there are difficult things and disappointing things. There, are, there is pain and painful things in life. But whatever you are facing today, listen, it is temporary. And listen, when, when something is not the most important thing, then the lack of it is not the worst thing. When something's not the most important thing, the lack of it is not the worst thing. Let me give an example. Success, professional success, is not the most important thing in life. Therefore, failure is not the worst thing in life. A pain-free life is not the most important thing. To be pain-free, although significant and desirable, and I wish we all could be, to be pain-free is not the most significant thing. Therefore, pain is not the worst thing. And the things of this world are not the most important things. Therefore, difficulty in them is not the worst thing. Are you tracking? You with me? This is a perspective shift. It's where we fix our eyes on the unseen, not just simply the seen. And when we move this into the, back to our fan-to-follower concept, the most important part of the journey is not the part that we see. It's the unseen part. And so the, the reality is that this unseen spiritual should be influencing the things of this world. It should be transforming and intersecting with people in their lives. And so it's not what we see that's most important, but our posture, that we position ourselves as a follower that lives three, two, one, so that the spiritual can influence the physical. And the unseen can influence the seen. And now this thing is starting to look more like a football diagram. All we need are X's and O's. But listen, this is the reality that we face. And if we're not living into this, if we don't function this way, we can end up focusing on the wrong things. We can focus on the seen and the physical and miss out on the more important and influential realities of the unseen and spiritual. We can focus on the wrong things. We can fix our eyes in the wrong places. And we can miss things that we should be aware of and know about. You know, just uh, on Friday, I was at a local restaurant, and I was heading to the restroom when two guys kind of stepped in front of me, and they both looked shady to me, kind of suspicious. And as a former state trooper, I just kicked into observation mode, and I was tracking them, and I just started following them. They were heading the same direction I was, and I just kind of followed closely behind, kind of watching them, seeing what they were doing. And, and they ended up heading out the back door of the, of the restaurant and kept going, and I just kept going into the restroom, where I encountered another suspicious person who was washing her hands. <laughs> a woman in the men's restroom. Now, in that moment, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to speak about this awkward, confusing moment when I realize there are no urinals in this restroom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I clearly missed something that I should have seen and could be seen because I was in the women's restroom. Now, if you've, never, if you've ever been in a circumstance like this, then you know you're thinking, how do I get out of this as fast as possible and save as much face in the process? So while I'm trying to figure out how I exit as quickly as possible, I hear her say, hello, pastor. 
just when I thought this could get no worse, it did. I was so mortified, man. I don't even know what I said, but a guy I got out of there so fast, I don't even know who she was. So to my dear sister, wherever you are, I apologize. I'm sorry. I didn't see what could have been seen and what I should have seen. And the reality is that we can do that. We can, we can be so focused on the wrong things that we fail to see what is most important. We can be focused on two guys and miss a sign and find ourselves in a place we never wanted to be and never should be. We can fail to see what can be seen. But at the same time, we can fail to see what's unseen. And that's actually a bit more problematic. Because it's the unseen that defines more than the seen. The unseen things determine and define more than the seen things. The, the spiritual defines more than the physical. It's the, it's the unseen and the spiritual that shape the physical and the seen. And so what we can't see actually impacts what we can see. It's spiritual more than physical. And the most important part of our journey is not the part we see, but rather the unseen. And this is where faith enters the equation. This is where spiritual eyes factor in. Because faith is the evidence of the unseen. And we can read this in Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance, it's the evidence, it's the proof. And faith is essential when it comes to what we can't see or can't touch. We can see things around us. We can look around right now and we can see a floor, we can see walls, we can see a ceiling. You can see people, colors, and light. Our eyes give us the ability to do that. We can see those things, that's how we know that they are there. So just as our physical eyes and our senses give us the ability to recognize the things in the physical world, it is our spiritual eye and our faith that gives us evidence of the unseen, the spiritual world. And faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And I wonder how your spiritual eyes, your eyes of faith, are functioning today. I wonder what you see and don't see. I wonder what you should see but you've missed. And you've ended up someplace you never should have gone. Have you ever heard the term, seeing is believing? Raise your hand, Bettendorf, get on this too, if you've ever heard the term, seeing is believing. Okay, yeah, a lot of us have heard that. Maybe many of us have said it. But listen, seeing is not believing. Seeing is being convinced. Seeing is being shown. And it would actually be far more accurate to say that believing is believing. You're like, well, Sean, that sounds very simple and redundant and not very profound. <laughs> Listen, believing is believing. That's faith. And faith is, is, no, is not small thinking or it's not simple understanding. It is far more than that. Faith is a willingness to trust, to be sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And if, if we are waiting to be convinced to have faith, then we are waiting for something that will never come. See, any faith that needs to be supported by evidence is not real faith. Uh, true faith exists apart from convincing. 
So if we're seeking to be convinced, we're not believing by faith. We're actually thinking like a fan and not a follower because believing is believing. Look, when, when we move from fan to follower, we become followers of Jesus, something shifts in us. It's not just the priorities of, of one, two, three turns into three, two, one. There's actually more that takes part in us that transforms us. It's, we, we really start to look at life different. We look at everything we do different, how we interact with the seen and the unseen things of life. Because faith is, is an intentional trust without convincing Remember, it's the fan who needs convincing. Followers trust in the character of a God whose ways we don't always understand. And followers let God be God and Jesus be Lord. It's an authority thing. If you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it and turn with me to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. This is also going to be in your note guide on page 3. It's going to be on the screen. But I just want to encourage you to sit back and listen as I read through the, just a few verses out of Colossians chapter 1. This is actually written by Paul, who, who was a guy who struggled as a fan, but ultimately became a true follower of Jesus. And he's writing to the believers in a place called Colossae. And, and this is what he writes, uh, starting in verse 15. He says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Man, do you hear who Jesus is in this? He is supreme. Everything, seen and unseen, created. Let's keep reading. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. This thing is just building to the understanding of who Jesus really is and the the deal. He deserves to be followed fully. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Man, he's awesome. Let's look further here. Christ is also the head of the church. So it makes sense that we'd be talking about his authority, his priorities, not ours. The church, which is his body, he is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead as they believe and trust in him. So he is first in everything. Listen, that's who Jesus is. He is supreme and first in everything. Physical and spiritual, over created things, heaven and earth, the seen and the unseen. That's why we should follow him. Not just as fans, but as obedient servants. He is first. And if you think the conversation around fan to follower and living in a 3-2-1 priority is something that you're being forced to submit to, listen, you're not submitting. If you think this conversation is positioning you to be forced to obey, you're not obeying. If this feels like you're being mastered, he's not truly your master. And if you're waiting to be convinced, you're not believing by faith. And you're thinking like a fan and not a follower. And you need to shift your eyes from the scene scene to the unseen. This whole fan to follower thing is, is not just a physical journey. It is a spiritual one where Jesus is the first in anything and everything. He holds all creation together. 
And he invites us to follow him. It's a beautiful, wonderful, amazing, mysterious thing. And he invites you to follow. Not just as a fan, but as a follower. Not simply seeking to know him to a degree, but to know him fully. Not just in how we look or how we act in the physical world, but how we interact and understand this unseen spiritual world. And that is connected deeply to what we do in private and what we do in prayer and what happens in the spiritual world. It's not limited to the temporal. It actually first starts in the eternal and the spiritual and ripples into the temporal. Because we're actually talking about something that is a battle. It's a war. Here's how Paul talked about it in another letter, Ephesians chapter 6. He said, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. Listen, this is a battle. And we could take the, the football analogy and metaphor a bit further and talk about the gridiron and the stadium as a coliseum, but listen, it is inadequate because this is an actual war. It's a spiritual war. And you are either a warrior in it or a pawn in it. If you're living as a fan, focused only on the scene, you're a pawn. But if you're willing to live as a follower, submitting to the one who is first before everything, then you can live as a warrior and make a difference for his kingdom. Not just engaged in the temporal and the things we see, but engaged in the eternal, the things that are unseen. And whenever we take the physical and we prioritize it over the spiritual, we end up less in both. Whenever we value what is seen over what is unseen, we miss out in both. And the reality is we have to choose. We have to choose to value the, scene, the unseen over the seen. We have to choose to live three, two, one. Not choosing inherently means we will live in the seen, in the physical, because we're already in it. We actually have to choose to live three, two, one, and live for things that are unseen, not just the seen. And so the challenge for all of us, for you, you have to choose the world you're going to live in. You need to choose your world. You, you must choose your world. To not choose means you're going to only live in the physical world. We have to choose to move to the seen from the unseen, from fan to follower, from the temporal and the temporary to the eternal and eternity. Now, one of my favorite authors is C.S. Lewis, and one of his quotes remains my favorite, is simply this, that if I find in myself a desire which no experience in the world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Man, that is so true, and that is deep truth. And I guarantee that you have yet to find something in this world that satisfies the deepest part of your soul apart from Jesus. Because you're not made for this world. You're not made for the seen world, you're made for the unseen things. And you have to choose your world. Choose the world you're going to live for. And if you've never made that choice, it's actually something you can do today. You can move from fan to follower. You simply surrender to Jesus. You find forgiveness for sin. You receive the gift of eternal life. And you begin to walk with God. It's just that simple. There's a few more details on the back of the sermon note guide, 
in an example prayer. If that's something you believe God is asking you to step towards, he's calling you into that today, you can make that step from fan to follower, from just living in the seen to the unseen. And you can live totally differently. You can see differently from that point forward as you live under his priorities and not yours. His power and not yours. And when you do that, everything begins to change and you see the world differently. It's like A.W. Tozer said. He said, you can see God from anywhere if your mind is set to love and obey him. No matter what you're facing, no matter what obstacles are in your life, challenges and issues, when you choose to set your mind to love and obey God, everything begins to change. And you can see things that you once did not. And this kind of takes us to some early so what realities. Let's take a look at them right now. The first one is don't wait to be convinced. Don't wait to be convinced. Too many people are waiting for a sign, a miracle, some convincing proof. But Jesus said we are better off if we choose to believe without that, without seeing, without convincing. It was in his interaction with Thomas. Thomas was one of his disciples who didn't really believe Jesus had risen from the dead. And Jesus shows up and says, Thomas, put your, put your fingers in my wounds. And Thomas ends up believing. But this is what Jesus says to Thomas right after that. He says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Listen, don't wait to be convinced. God is waiting for you to believe. So here's my invitation and challenge for you. Go as far as you can see in your spiritual life. Go all the way out there and then take another step by faith. Go as far as you can see in your relationship with God and then by faith take another step into the unseen. When you do that, then you'll be able to see further because God blesses that kind of obedience and that demonstration of faith. Don't wait to be convinced. Instead, set your mind and heart on Him to love and obey Him. Second thing, live for the unseen. Live for the unseen. In Hebrews 13, we go back to that, we can read this. That we are to offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to His name. Listen, this is where we live as a passionate, fully devoted follower of Jesus right now. Right now. Where we live in the world, but not of it. Where we don't let the temporal world be our purpose in life. But we rather live for the unseen. We live by faith for things that are beyond. But here's the catch. Faith requires trust, and trust requires risk. So, take the risk and trust by faith. As you do, your faith will be strengthened as you stretch it into pursuing the unseen. It will grow. Live for the unseen. Actually, this is ultimately about just being a follower. You know, being a follower and in a, at a football experience, that person is standing, that person is cheering, that person's yelling, they're wearing the garb, they're all in, they're passionate, they're praying for the field goals to go in, especially if they're the Steelers because they just simply don't anymore. <laughs> And in the spiritual world, we're all in, and we're cheering, and we're advocating, we're contributing, we're praying, we're standing firm, we're pressing on. We don't quit. Look, it's, it's kind of hard to be reflective when it comes to the things that are unseen. 
it, it's not our natural perspective. It's actually something we have to develop because we're just not used to doing it. But I want to take just a couple of moments and start to reflect on what it would look like for you to, on a daily basis, lift your eyes from the seen and place them and fix them on the unseen. What would it look like for you to choose to no longer be a fan of the, in the world, but to be a follower who pursues the unseen, who pursues the eternal, choosing the eternal while still living in the temporal? Because to do that, that's a weekly, daily, even hourly thing. It's relationship by relationship. It's moment by moment. And, and no one unintentionally shifts from the seen to the unseen. It doesn't happen accidentally. It happens when we intentionally choose. So here's what I invite you to do. I want to get really practical, practical for just a few moments. You've got on the inside of your sermon note guide this blank empty square, and I want to encourage you to take notes and write whatever you think is appropriate as I kind of unpack a concept with you in that space. You can do whatever you want to do to remember this or think through it. But in the sport of football, you either have the ball or your opponents have the ball, right? You either possess the ball or they possess the ball. When you possess the ball, the goal is to advance down the field. You're either moving forward or you're actually going backwards. It is not an option in football to stay neutral, to stay in the same place. You stay too long in the same place, you lose possession of the ball, right? The goal is to actually be advancing. And, and we want to advance until we get to the spot where we score. So the reality is, in the football game, there is no neutral. <laughs> It's to be advancing and pushing forward, gaining ground. You're either gaining ground or losing ground. If you stand in one place too long, you lose possession of the ball. In a similar way, in the real world, in our life, we are to be advancing. There's no neutral for a follower of Jesus. We're either advancing or moving backwards. We don't stay neutral. We're to be advancing as we take the, the physical and the spiritual, and we live three, two, one. And we make that, when we make a good play, we advance. When we make a bad play, we go backwards. And we do it every day. We do it in three categories. It would be the person, people, and purpose. When we're talking about the person, well, what we're really talking about here is our private life. This is, this is where we know what we chase, what we rely on, what we depend on. It's the decisions we make when nobody's looking. It's our private life. We're talking about people. We're really talking about key relationships. And we've all got them. We all have different key relationships, different levels of relationship. We're talking about purpose. We're really talking about a place of influence. And we all have places of influence. So the key here is to understand how we are daily making decisions that either advance the ball or move backwards, but not stay neutral in each of these realities. The person, the people, and our purpose. So let me just take a couple moments to talk through this because the question I think we need to be asking in this process is ultimately, how are we using our spiritual eyes to live in a physical world in those three arenas? And so if we're actually going to move forward in our relationship with God, if we're going to be in this world, but not of it. We, that means we're fixing our eyes on the unseen, and that changes the way we live. Not just priorities of one, two, three become three, two, one, but it changes the way that we function in those three, two, one realities. 
how we engage. So let's talk about that for a moment. Looking only at the person piece, that private life reality. This is, where what, this is what we depend on, what we rely on, what we chase. So when was the last time you spent time with the Lord? I'm not talking about multitasking time. I'm talking about where you fixed your eyes on Him and you sat alone. Not just while driving in that multitasking role, but just quietly sitting before Him in stillness. Doing more listening than talking. When was the last time you did that? When we abide in Him, sit in stillness before Him, that's where fruit comes out in our life. Kingdom fruit. When was the last time you did that? Or have you been avoiding it? You know, maybe you're, if you're avoiding it, maybe it's because there's an area of your life, it's a, a private sin issue or a personal holiness issue that's keeping you from engaging in it. It's like if, if there's an issue between you and another person, when you sit alone with that person, it's really awkward, right? It's the elephant in the room. We're not talking about that thing. It's kind of the same with God. When he has drawn your attention to an issue in your life, a habit, an addiction, a sin issue, and you have chosen to ignore it and not deal with it, we end up avoiding that private life experience where we sit in stillness with him. And maybe that's the challenge in this area for you. How are you doing in sitting in stillness before the Lord in that person category? Let's move to the people category. This would be the key relationships. And let me just encourage you to pick one, just one key relationship. Maybe you write the initials or write the name down. But what's the nature of that relationship today? Is it marked by relational conflict? Do you see that person as a person or do you see that person as a problem? In that dynamic, do you see the spiritual problem in that relationship? Or do you look at them as the enemy? Because remember, the, the enemy is not flesh and blood. The enemy is the enemy, not that person that we're having conflict with. Whenever you interact with anybody, do you see the kingdom potential in that person? Not just looking at their behavior, but actually seeing more and beyond that, seeing the potential. We can look at behavior in people, but to, but to see the potential in Christ in them is another thing. How are you engaging in relationships there? Listen, there is always something happening spiritually in any relationship, in every relationship. Because God is always trying to do something. And a follower of Jesus will always try to look for what God is doing and try to come alongside and facilitate that in those relationships. That may be in facilitating bridges over the second gap. It may be in a conflict dynamic to be a peacemaker. How are you doing in fixing your eyes on the unseen in that people category? Let's look finally at the purpose reality, this regular place of influence. How, how are you pursuing work and daily life? Are you going to work for a paycheck or for a purpose, a, a kingdom purpose as someone who is sent? There's a difference. Are you going to earn money and seek significance or are you interacting with people for kingdom value? If, if you're a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad, are you working through a chore list or are you investing in spiritual things as you take care of physical needs? Like, are you praying for your child and their future spouse as you fold their clothes when you're doing their laundry? As you walk through the house to vacuum or dust or do other things, are you praying for spiritual victory in each of those spaces? How are you using your spiritual eyes as you live in a physical world. 
And how are you doing in these three areas? See, no one unintentionally shifts from seen to unseen. We have to choose. And these three arenas become kind of dashboard markers for us. They're examples and indicators. And there's other specifics we could talk about. You could look at finances and pleasure and recreation. That's time, talent, and treasure. But how are you using your spiritual eyes to live in each part of your physical world? Because the most important part isn't what we see. It's the unseen. And maybe the most simple question for us to reflect on is for which world are you living? For which world are you living? You know, most people think that following Jesus means freedom from every trouble rather than what it actually is. It's freedom in every trouble. It's strength in every opportunity. And it's power that ripples into eternity. So, for which world are you living? I want to leave you with the words of Peter. This is from 1 Peter chapter 2. And it's just my heart for you and us as we continue in this journey. Peter wrote this. He said, friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they will be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. For which world are you living? The most important part is not the one we see, but the one we don't see. It's not the temporal, it's the eternal. And as you process through how you're doing in each of the three categories, remember that we have to choose. But when we do, it is the power of the Holy Spirit in us that allows us to live as followers, fully devoted, empowered, positioned to see God's purposes accomplished in this life. But again, we have to choose. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that this world is not our home because <laughs> it's a rough place sometimes. But I also thank you that the most important part of this journey of life is not what we see. It's the unseen. It's the spiritual things. It's the things that you want to do in and through us by your power. So Father, I pray as we each spend a little more time thinking through person and people and, and purpose, God, I pray you'd speak. I pray you show us where you want to go as far as we can see and then take another step by faith. Because you have a purpose and a plan for us and we want to submit and live under your authority, under the authority of Jesus because this world is not our home. So Lord, I pray as we step back into worship through song that you would continue to speak and lead and that we would be a people who are no longer fans but true followers, who no longer just look and understand the, the seen things of, world, but we, of the world but we would look to understand the unseen for your glory. Lord, I love you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen.